Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Good to see you. Uh, man, I, I just want to take a moment. Let's just give Joel just another just hand, hand. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, this guy flew from all the way from uh, Hampton, no, Johnson City. Your camp is in Hampton, Tennessee, uh, but he's a member here at church, so just thankful for you. Hey, before we get into our time, I want to let you all know my first five minutes of my sermon was completely changed when the Longhorns lost last night. So if they would have won, there would have been a little bit of rubbing it in, because I know we have a lot of Aggies, but y'all lost too. So instead of that, how about I just pray for our time once we'll fast, let the Lord speak through me, and we'll dive in. Father, just uh, in this time, let this be a time where your word molds us, where you, where you are glorified in this time. Speak through me. Let this be a time where we're edified by your word and by your truth, and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, if you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians chapter 5. We've been in the book of Ephesians as long as I've been here, um, which <laughs> isn't saying much. I just hit seven months being here on staff back uh, last week. I came here in, um, and visited in January for the first time, came on staff in April. If you don't know me, my name's Garrett. I'm the worship pastor here. Um, but don't worry, we got to end in sight in Ephesians. We're at the end of chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. We're going to spend our time we're going to take a four-week break here pretty soon, go through our Advent series. We'll pick up in Ephesians after the New Year. So there's going to be an end in sight. There's a little break in between. And so if you just read this with me, in verse 18, chapter 5, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So we've been in Ephesians for a while, but in the past couple weeks, we've been in Ephesians 5, walking in joyful obedience, walking as children of the light. And two weeks ago, Coleman brought us through chapter 5, verse 15, walking in wisdom. And then last week, he, he brought us through just a sermon of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is God, is He, the Holy Spirit, and is essential for our walk as the believer. And so uh, before we kind of dive into 18, I want us just to kind of look back into uh, the beginning of chapter 5. And what Paul has done leading up to this point is given kind of some positive negative commands. There's a pattern to his style. And so if you look in verse 4, Paul says, Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And then in, in, in verse 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. But in verse 7, therefore, do not become partners with them. So there's pattern, positive, negative command. In verse 8, he says, Walk as, uh, for at one, once you were walking in the darkness, but now you are in the light. Walk as children of the light, not darkness. Verse 11, he says, Take no part in unfruitful works or of darkness, but instead expose them. And then, in verse 15, it says, walk as wise, not unwise. So there's this pattern of positive, negative command. When we get to verse 18 here, if Paul were just saying in the regular pattern that he was this positive, negative command, it would say something like, and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but instead uh, abstain from intoxication or be sober. But instead here, Paul calls the Ephesians into us into something deeper and more meaningful. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. In this verse, he says, be filled is what's called, in the Greek is called a present imperative. It's a continual present every day, not a one-time static action, but constantly, continually, 
be filled with the Spirit. So the question this morning is, how can we be filled with the Spirit? And, and then what do our, our lives look like? What does, it, what does it matter that we are filled with the Spirit? And here's why it's so important. Because in our modern Reformed Baptist Church, we've really shied away from any idea of being filled with the Spirit. Because, for two reasons, really we've shied away from it because the charismatic church has really redefined this idea of being filled with the Spirit as an emotional, euphoric, momentary uh, um, feeling that kind of comes and goes, and it's an experience. Uh, And and so we have let them kind of... uh, redefine this idea. We haven't had any faithful, good teaching on this, and so this morning we're going to talk about this. Let me start by saying what is not filled with the Spirit, and it's not a momentary, euphoric experience. It's not something that can be brought on by the lights being dimmed and the piano in the background. It's not something that we can uh, manipulate you guys can go, this is what the Spirit is, and the modern evangelical church and the charismatics have kind of perverted this idea of the Holy Spirit. And so, and here's how I can tell you, it's not a momentary experience, it's not an emotional, it's not a euphoric experience. Well, if we look at the rest of chapter 5, and the rest of chapter 5, and even into chapter 6, it looks like what the Spirit-filled life looks like. And it says that the, the Spirit-filled are subject to one another. It says that in verse 21, and we get into verse 22, it says, Spirit-filled wives submit to their husbands, and Spirit-filled husbands love their wives as, as Christ loved the church, and Spirit-filled children obey their parents. Hear this, kids. You got to obey your parents. And Spirit-filled parents, they don't provoke their kids. And Spirit-filled slaves uh, obey their masters, and Spirit-filled masters care for their slaves. These are the results of those who are Spirit-filled. And so if we turn and look at a very similar passage in Colossians 3, I think we have it up. I'm going to turn there. It is right after the book of Ephesians, if you have it. Colossians. Is it before? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, if you're turning there. Colossians 3.16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell with you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this verb dwell is the same thing. It's a present imperative. It says, let the word of God continually dwell richly within you. And then we see in the rest of chapter 3 and 4, it says those who are having the word of God richly dwell in them, it goes into wives submitting to their husbands, and husbands loving their wives, that, that kids who have the word of God dwell richly in them, they un- obey their parents, and parents don't exasperate their kids. And slaves who have the word of God dwelling richly in them, they obey their masters, and masters who have the word of God care for their slaves. It's the same outcome. We can see that if those who are spirit-filled and those who are having the word of God dwell in them continually richly, we have the same outcome. And I want you to hear you, this church. When you have the same outcome, we're talking about the same reality. Let me say that again. When we have the same outcome, we're talking about the same reality. So this is what it means to be filled with the spirit, that we're dominated by the truth of Christ revealed in Scripture. That when we look at the gospel, when we look at the truth of Christ, it completely permeates our, th- our minds, our thoughts, our actions. 
and we're under its influence. When we are filled with the Spirit, we under the, we're under the, the influence of the Spirit. It's not a momentary, it's not a, a static uh, experience, but it's a continual thing. And so the Spirit molds us into the person and likeness of Christ as we continually to dwell on His Word richly with us, and it permeates our thoughts. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, I think we have it on the screen, it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from uh, one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord. What does it say? Who is the Spirit? That through being the filling of the Spirit, we're filled with the Spirit, our lives look differently, and it's the direct outcome of letting the word of Christ dwell with you richly. That you're walking in this life that's having the influence of the world be empty. Don't get drunk on wine. That's debauchery. That's reckless living. That leads to sin. We empty ourselves up in the world, and we dwell on the word. We're filled with the Spirit, and we're under its influence. And then it says in Ephesians 5, what is the direct outcome of the filling of the Holy Spirit? says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. It's music. we got the worship pastor talking about music this morning, right? And so I love this. It says we're addressing one another. We're addressing one another. That there is a horizontal relationship in our worship that's meant for each other. We're not just up here singing to these back screens that have the, the timer and the lyrics. We're not just up here looking back at our choir and we're, we're singing to each other. And there's a horizontal relationship. And I love this quote that comes from this, uh, this great book. It's called Rhythms of Grace. It's by a guy named Mike Cosper. I read this a couple years ago. Uh, it says, so when we gather, we sing to each other. We declare the truths of the gospel to one another. Our presence and participation is not merely for the sake of our individual relationship with God, demonstrating our own confidence and hope, but it's also for our brothers and sisters' sake. Our participation in the gathering is testimony and encouragement to them. So when you sing, you're speaking the truth and love to your church around you, and that your bold confession of faith may be exactly what someone nearby needs to hear in the midst of his or her darkest hours. Likewise, you may be the one who needs to receive the comfort that comes from the praises of God's people. So first and foremost, when Paul says that we address one another singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we have to know that there is a part of what we do when we gather corporately as a church that's for each other. That's why I love when, when Joel came up, he goes, hey, I want you all to smile. You can look around. You can hear their story, right? I, I told him this morning, I said, hey, do you just want to come like tag team in this sermon with me? Because we he was giving me some great thoughts but we, we do it for each other. It's part of a building up. And then it says singing and making melody to the Lord. That God is the ultimate object and author of our worship. And so before we go on there, let's just kind of dissect this. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And what does that mean? How do we have a balance in those in our worship? Um, and, and how do we just strive towards singing and making melody with our heart in, in our, our Sunday life and our daily gathering. What does it look like? So when we talk about singing the Psalms, we're not just talking about singing the Psalter. What we did, we sang Psalm 90 this morning. We sang Faithful. It came out of Psalm 119, right? Um, where was it? 130. Thank you. Uh, we, we sing, it's the singing of the Word of God. So any song, we sing a couple of these. So, so His mercy is more. Lamentations 323, it says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy is Never come to an end. They're new every morning. 
right? We sang Psalm 90 earlier this morning. We, uh, we sing 10,000 reasons. Bless the Lord, O my soul, that all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That comes from Psalm 103. Jesus paid it all. Sing that a couple weeks ago. Isaiah 118, that by his stripes we're healed, that we, our sin was crimson. We've been made white, white as snow. So when we sing the Psalms, we're not just singing the Psalter, we're not just singing the Psalms, but any of the singing of the Word of God. And then when we says we are singing hymns, and, and believe me, I know this church loves our hymns. It, it's not talking about uh, a, a certain book, although the Baptist hymnal is a great hymnal, but not every song in that is a hymn. Some are the Psalters, some are spiritual songs, a lot of them are hymns. But a hymn is what we're going to define right now as a church, is any song that goes deeper into the character of God, that has the deep theology of who God is. And we sing, great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion, it fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever. It goes into the deepest part of who God is. Come behold the wondrous mystery. We sang that last week. Thanks, Tamara, for that recommendation. In Christ alone, it goes into the depth of who Jesus is, the Lord our God. He's faithful, right? How deep the Father's love for us before the throne of God above. All these songs that we sing are a, a, a way that we can, a vehicle that takes us to the deeper character of who God is. And then the spiritual songs is just responding to God together. The songs that go, I surrender all, oh praise your name, we're going to sing one, My Jesus, I Love Thee, a great hymn is a responsive song, Living Hope, Hallelujah, Praise the One Who Set Me Free. The cup was not removed, oh praise the one who takes away our sin, yet not I, but through Christ in me. All of these are spiritual songs. And here's the, the sad reality uh, that happens in the modern church, because our goal at Katie's First is to have a healthy balance between these songs is to go, hey, every Sunday we want to come and we want to sing some, some hymns, we want to sing some spiritual songs, we want to sing the Word. But the sad reality is that the modern church, the modern worship movement, is moving far away from this healthy balance between the two. In fact, if you listen to uh, a lot of the newer stuff that's coming out, they're even taking the gospel out of the songs that we're singing. There's like the big three, if you know what they are. I, I listened to an album, and I think I heard Jesus' name once in all of these songs that are coming out. And so it's even more important now, church, that we have to keep us accountable as a worship ministry and as a church going, hey, we're not singing the word enough. Hey, we're not singing about the character of God enough. So we don't want to come and go, hey, I heard the song when I was a kid and it was good, but hey, Garrett, Pastor Garrett, when's the last time we sang out of the word? When's the last time we went deep into the character of God and responded to his goodness in a spiritual song? So when we come together, we crucify our preferences we crucify our own thoughts, our ideas, what we want. We lay those at the feet of the cross, and we lift high the name of Jesus. Our ultimate goal, whether it's a balance of those, is to lift high the name of Jesus in our worship. Amen? Come on. And so when we do that, we make a melody to the Lord, the object and author of our worship. Verse 19. We make melody to the Lord of our heart. We gather for the sole purpose of lifting the name of Jesus. And this brings us into verse 20. This brings us into a place of thanksgiving. The thanksgiving is the natural response to the supernatural grace that God gives us through the blood of Jesus. 
we look at Ephesians 2, it says, You were dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working, the sons of disobedience, whom you all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of my, mankind, but the greatest verse. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised him up and seated him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved." Is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. When we look at the gospel, the natural place that it should take us is to a place of thanksgiving. So church, are we thankful? When we come together, are we just going, they didn't sing the song that I liked this morning, but are we coming in a place of thankfulness when we see the supernatural grace of God that he saved us from our sin, that we are dead in our trespasses, that we deserve to die in our depravity, but God being rich in mercy, thank you. Are we thankful? Are we letting the word of Christ dwell on us richly? Are we surrendering our lives under the influence of the Spirit? Are we living a Spirit-filled life? And so, as the band comes up this morning, I just want to have an opportunity for us to respond to the goodness and the grace that God gives us a melody of thanksgiving. And so if you're here this morning and you haven't heard the good news of Jesus, if you, if you haven't heard that you were dead in your sins and there was nothing you could do, not of your own works, but God and his love saved you and it hasn't brought you to a th- place of thanksgiving, Man, we'd love to talk with you and share that with you. Uh, during these last few songs, both Pastor Zach and myself will be up here if you have any questions, and we'd love to pray with you. And so church, I, I, I'm cutting this off a little short, but I want us to take advantage of the time that we have this morning to be thankful, to sing out of thanksgiving, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We're going to sing it out. We're going to praise him. So I just want us to stand together, and I want to pray. Father, thank you that you have saved us from our sins. Father, thank you that you have given us a vehicle of our our, our melodic voices together as a church. That we can come together corporately and praise your name and, and lift high the name of God. So church, so God, in this time we just ask that you remove all barriers, remove all the distractions, remove all the the thoughts in our heads that are keeping us from worshiping you and surrendering everything to you. Father, we give this time to you. Let us us be a time we are making a joyful noise. We surrender it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's sing.